2: You are listening to NFL Kickoff Live, an hour-long weekly show where Jarvis Davis and Kyle Krabs join me, Tanitra Batiste, to break down this week's action and biggest storylines around the NFL. You can catch us live each week from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern on your favorite Locked On NFL YouTube page. Hey, welcome into NFL Kickoff Live. It is the best hour of football talk every single Friday. We'll go around the NFL, talk about every team and every game. And of course, we'll get you local insight that you can't get anywhere else but right here on Locked On. I am your host, Tanitra Batiste. And alongside me are Jarvis Davis and Kyle Krabs. And we'll go right to Thursday Night Football. I don't really know what to say about that other than it was a typical Thursday night football game. It was the Chicago Bears and the Carolina Panthers. Probably don't need to say much beyond that other than to say somehow the Bears eked out the 16-13 to win. And so the battle for the number one pick in the 2024 draft continues. And so that's kind of what I think that's what everybody was really watching to kind of see who positioned themselves properly for the player slash QB they want to get for next year. But you guys, I mean, Kyle, when you took a look at that game, kind of what did you see in the back and forth, dare I say, between Bajit and Young and the Bears and the Panthers and who was lesser of two evils last night?
1: (laughs) Yeah, uh, Chicago rolling out of that game just cackling because they get the win and they have the Panthers first round pick. They keep Carolina at the one win on the season. (laughs) So they say, oh, okay, nice. We'll double dip. Don't mind us. Yeah. Um I, I think the Tyson Bajan story is really cool as a guy who was an undrafted free agent. He played division two football, goes to the senior bowl, is undrafted, gets an opportunity. I think he was the fourth quarterback in the camp going for Chicago. Um, and he made some nice throws. You know, he yeah. had a really live arm in in the pre draft process when you watched him. And um uh, I I think it's short week at home on Thursday night football is how Chicago ends up winning the game just because yeah. Uh, it's such a short turnaround from the previous week. Yeah, and, and somebody had to win it. Somebody had to win it. Carolina, I thought, really did themselves a disservice at the end of the game with how, yeah. with how they approached the uh, the two-minute offense. Yeah. But yeah. that's kind of the thing with this offense with, with Bryce Young is between Bryce Young and how he sees the field right now and the performance of the offensive line and the supporting cast that really can't get separation down the field. They're really limited in how they they can throw the ball, and I thought you saw that manifest where the best we could scratch out in a two-minute offense situation with timeouts was a 59-yard field goal.
2: Yeah, I thought the same. I thought it was poor clock management by their coaching staff. And I thought you're absolutely right. It just showed the guns that Bryce Young doesn't have to be able to get it down the field. And there were moments in time, and don't get me wrong, I understand KC that with injuries that have plagued Bryce Young here and there, he may not have wanted to kind of stretch the field, kind of just get that, that yard that he needed to extend the drive. But in my mind, I thought. On the same token, if you could have gotten even three more yards on that particular run, five more yards, that thing gives your kicker a 54-yarder versus, say, a 59-yarder. and Maybe we're talking about a game that goes into overtime and plays itself out a little bit differently. But Jarvis, what did you see in watching that Thursday night football game?
3: I don't, I don't know about everybody else, but I enjoyed the Deontay Foreman uh, revenge game, you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> not, not, <laughs> but no, but seriously, though, <laughs> I, I really think that and then, you know, DJ Moore as well, you know, you know, know how he got to get down with that. But for me, I, I thought it was, it was just it's just fascinating to see that, hey, we're trying to get the number one overall pick and we have to win. Yeah, <laughs> like that, I thought that was just uh, absolutely amazing to be able though. to see that. It was just kind of it was kind of cl- interesting to see that. So but I just think that the Bears have just been. Interesting, but none interesting throughout the entire year because with the whole drama with Justin Fields and and everybody clamoring for Tyson Bajan, you know, just like, all right, okay, cool. Let's see what the key got. Like I said, storyline is great as a person who played in Division two football to see him get the opportunity that he get. I think that is absolutely amazing. Kudos to you. And I hope he take um, continues to take advantage of it, you know, to at least show teams that he actually belongs in the NFL. So. But it just what they're gonna do with Justin Fields, and, and you know him could continue to remain uh, out, you know, with the injury, and, and what they're gonna do if he comes back or when he comes back. So it's just, and, and on the other side of it with the Carolina Panthers, yeah, just watching Bryce Young, just like who is he throwing the ball to? You got Michael Strahan out here catching balls. I know his name is Strong for all you smart folks, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And then you you got Adam Thielen out here trying to squeeze whatever he has left in the tank. It, it's just Mingo, you know, the wide receiver out of Ole Miss, like not really doing anything, not living up to his uh, draft draft spot. Uh, um, it's just he just doesn't have anything surrounding him worth talking about. And in the yeah. offensive line, they try to improve it, but you know, it still can be shaky from time to time. So. For me, it's just like I think it's a little unfair for people to kind of have have come to the conclusion about Bryce Young and what he's going to be in the NFL going forward. And I just think that just sucks. And then you got a new office coordinator, Thomas Brown, calling plays as well. So he's already defending some of his play calls and rotations and stuff like that. When you have offensive coordinators being questioned two or three games in, like that, that's when you know you have issues. And it's hard for a young quarterback like Bryce Young to flourish up under that.
2: Yeah, and as much as I hated to see that with the performance from Bryce Young and what he had to deal with, I'd love to see what the local kid was able to do because Montez Sweat had himself a game. I absolutely, I didn't necessarily like to see him part ways from the commanders because I did think that they had a better upside for him versus the Bears, but Montez Sweat absolutely had himself a game and maybe more so than anything, putting himself in position, maybe to get with a better team uh, come next season. But I think the other piece of, watching last night's game was thinking about this rookie class overall and thinking about C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, of course, like you guys said, Tyson Bajan. And one of the things, you know, that conversation was the key conversation pre-draft, right? Who do you go with? Do you go with Bryce Young? Do you go with C.J. Stroud? Which quarterback is indeed the most NFL-ready, hit-the-ground running? Now, granted, let's be honest, the Texans have more guns than the Panthers right and they have a better coach on the sidelines already even though D'Amico Ryans is a first-time head coach so there's a little bit more there for CJ Stroud to work with just in terms of his supporting cast and the coaches on the sidelines but ultimately speaking CJ Stroud is out there doing big boy things when you look at the rest of this 2024 or 2023 QB class Kyle at least from what we've seen from him midway through the season.
1: Yeah, there's, there's no doubt. And I've been impressed with CJ transitioning from the Ohio state offense, which is a little bit more option routes and, and a little bit yes. longer developing concepts versus Bobby Slowick, The offensive coordinator is off the Shanahan tree and that's a timing based offense. And it's a different kind of living that you got to make. And you're seeing CJ Stroud, whether it is the timing stuff or when they have to push the ball down the field, to Nico Collins, who's a big bodied receiver, who's Athletic and, and making a lot of big plays and living up to his potential coming out of Michigan a few years back, it's really impressive stuff. And I'll say this about Bryce Young: uh, I always thought Bryce Young was somebody whose style of play at Alabama was going to require a little bit of patience, and it was yeah. going to require the right kind of supporting cast around it. And obviously, you see the Dolphins logo hanging back here in the background. I know all about that with Alabama quarterbacks and Tua Tagovailoa. I know what it yeah. looked like when Brian Flores was trying to run the chain gaily passing offense to. Mike Geseki and Devontae Parker and Preston Williams these four six receivers that can't create any separation and Bryce I think was an even more extreme version of that because yeah. he really liked to get outside of structure at Alabama well you're getting out outside outside of structure here in Carolina and you're figuring out these NFL defenders they're half step faster right so you can't quite make the same stuff happen so I'm a little sympathetic to Bryce in the environment that he's in. I agree it's way too early, but I always thought that was the one that was going to have to take some time yeah. if it wasn't in an ideal situation where C.J. Stroud, uh, I, I thought his transit or his, his translatability of the style of play that he had at Alabama was a little bit more one for one.
2: Yeah, agreed. And you look at what Will Levs has been able to do as well. And, you know, he has the good fortune of having a guy like Derrick Henry so that there's even a little opportunity for them to bring him along and don't get me wrong in his debut as Jarvis had to see up close and personal covering the Falcons what a debut that was for Will Levis but ultimately speaking he's got some pieces around him as well that have allowed him to flourish very early on in his rookie season
3: for sure, um, when you think about guys like veterans, guys like DeAndre Hopkins, yes. you know, be able to throw, throw him to, throw the football to him, and, and guy, and turn around and hand the ball off like a, to a guy like a Derrick Henry and a guy who's who's a emer- who's an emerging running back who I feel like should be getting more touches than Ty J Spears. So mm-hmm. that's a, those are the type of things that you feel like that's when you start putting together an offense, like when you have. Different style backs that you can get the ball to turn around, and hand off to, and throw to. And then you got a veteran wide receiver who knows how to get open, you know, uh, in, in certain instances. So I think that when you're surrounded and Mike Vrabel, hate it or, or love him, he's a good coach. He's a good head coach. I, I like what Mike Vrabel brings to the table. He brings stability. Mm-hmm. I feel like when when it comes to you know what 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 you need to do on a, on, a, on a weekly basis as a head coach in the NFL. So I think that – but on the, on the other side of that, when you talk about C.J. Stroud, he has no running game yeah, whatsoever. Yeah. None. No, not even a threat of a running game. And he's out there winning football games. 46 seconds left, two timeouts, and you come down here and you're throwing absolute darts. Like, I remember being so fascinated when – when Ohio State played against the Georgia Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh my, I knew C.J. Stroud was good. But to see him do it against that defense, yeah. who, who put in like 50 on first-round draft picks on, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> within the past two years, seemingly. So, yeah, for to be able to see him not only do that against a team like the Georgia Bulldogs, but come into the NFL, it's a different, different beast, right? Like Kyle mentioned, like guys are a, a step in a half. Or, uh, uh, or two or three steps quicker or faster than than in college. So when you see him coming in with no threat of a running game and just being able to wheel his team to win, and he's out there just throwing, the ball just pops out of his doggone hand. Just, just yeah. the way he's just throwing the ball downfield and connecting with his wide receivers. Now, granted, they, those guys are talented, but he's making them look good as well. So there's a mutual yeah. r- uh, relationship going on down there in Houston. So yeah. This this class is, is is going to be very interesting going forward, but it seems like C.J. Stroud is the guy that, that's kind of leading the pack as, as of right now.
2: Yeah, and interesting is a good word to use, J.D., because honestly, Kyle, they, a lot of them have had to spring into action so much faster than we thought. You're looking at uh, Sunday. I think this Sunday coming, you'll have 10 rookie QBs who are going to start out of 32 teams that's crazy to think I don't think anybody thought at the beginning of the season that a third of the league would be starting guys that they just drafted six months ago so I think that also makes it interesting because you're now seeing those guys who are really ready and also the guys who have the pieces around them to help them to be a little bit more game ready versus say the guys who either aren't game ready or maybe our work in progress, Uh, obviously Anthony Richardson is still a question mark just because of the injury, but ultimately speaking, I think it's a matter of, wow, they've had to spring into action, and now you can really see either what some of those flaws are which ones might need a little bit of extra time, or which ones are going to need some serious, serious help in the offseason in free agency or in the draft class if you ever want them to show the potential that they really have.
1: Yeah, and and some of these are in kind of tough spots, too, where I think about Aiden O'Connell with the Raiders, who yeah. head coach fired already, didn't make it to halfway point of the season. They right. played Monday night football and, and got show act, and, and McDaniels is let go, and they go to O'Connell, and they turn to him, and now that he's in an evaluation window with a team that really struggled and didn't just fire Josh McDaniels. They fired the offensive coordinator, too. Now, they came out, and they beat the Giants, but you usually do see kind of a bump. The mm-hmm. fire coach bump is a real wow. thing. The, the game or the two games immediately afterwards. Especially and, if you're
3: well-liked. Yeah. Right, well <laughs> <Yes>. right. <laughs> <When> they're <lightly.
1: laughs> So for, for Aiden O'Connell, it's, it's tough because you're a rookie co- quarterback whose coach has been fired. The GM's been fired. You just got brought in. There's going to be a new brain trust next year. So you're playing for not only just the Raiders to evaluate you, you're playing for a lot of teams to potentially evaluate you because what happens if a new – new GM does come in and by the end of year two or year three, they say, I didn't pick this guy. Uh, He's not my guy. We want to run a different style of offense. Um, So there's some really good opportunities. I think Tyson Bajan's another great example of that, who uh, doesn't have a long-term commitment. He's UDFA, but the tape that he's putting out is going to get him a lot of opportunities to extend his NFL career, whether it's as a starter or backup. And, you know, I think it's great for kind of the youth infusions for some of the quarterbacks in the game you kind of have seen over the last five years or so, this exodus of all of the faces at the quarterback position Mm -hmm. from the previous generation, Uh, the breeze, the Manning, the Brady, all those guys are now out. Uh, So getting some young guys in here and some opportunities to see who can really strike and take advantage of it. It's one of the really fun storylines in the back half of the season.
2: Yeah. I think it's a fun storyline for the rookie class, but also an interesting and intriguing uh, storyline, if you will, for the, sophomore class because you look at the likes of a Kenny Pickett or a uh, a Desmond Ritter and you say to yourself what's going you know what's going to happen and how will things play out for that class as well now it's almost time for us to talk about our game of the week course that's between the Texans and Bengals but before we get there we have a quick word from Jarvis about
4: prize picks
3: Guys, with basketball season right here, first of all, let me say this. This episode of NFL Kickoff Live is brought to you by Prize Picks, And now you can pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections. That includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you want to get the King, LeBron James, plus a Travis Kelsey and a a 10.5 combo of three points made, plus receptions. You can do that. And you also can want to play us alongside some of the prospect's favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz. You can now find community players on the promo tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the prospect community each week, guys. And plus, you know, if, if an injury happens, guess what they do? They even offer a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play, even if one of your players get injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an insurance policy. I'm telling you guys, uh, injury insurance policies. So make sure you check out PrizePicks.com/slash locked on NFL. That's PrizePicks.com/slash locked on NFL because this is daily fantasy sports made
2: All right, guys, we talked about the Rookie of the Year candidate in C.J. Stroud. Of course, his Houston, Texas will be facing off against another guy that was looking all world as a rookie in Joe Burrow, the Bengals, a team that's now on fire. So how do Cody Davis of Locked on Texas and James Rapine of Locked on Bengals see this game shaking out? Well, let's take a listen.
6: I think it's important for this defense to get off to a fast start against C.J. Stroud and Tank Dell and Nico Collins. And and to just let this offense know that they're not going to pick up where they left off against Tampa Bay, where they were just firing on all cylinders and really, really hot. I think that's important for the Bengals, because if a young team gets some confidence early in the game on the road and, and that fire is going, it's tough to put it out sometimes, even though this defense has been really good and has... Uh, rebounded after giving up opening touchdowns to the Bills and the Seahawks, just naming a few recent games for the Bengals that they ended up winning, and the defense rebounded. But you don't want to have to rebound this week. I think you want to get off to a quick start on defense, take control that way, and not let C.J. Stroud get into a rhythm. Certainly not let their ground attack get going at all. You Hmm. mentioned the struggles on the ground. If you can do that, I I like their chances at home. And and I'm going to pick the Bengals. I don't know prediction wise, exactly what I'll, I'll do score wise. I, I can do that on, on Thursday's episode of locked on Bengals, but I'll pick the Bengals in this one. I, I do think that it, it could be a more competitive game than most thought when the schedule came out and, and they were oh, playing yeah, the most schedule game. <laughs> I, I, I'm excited to watch it for sure. And in, in so the storylines, it's a bigger game. I, I could see the Texans winning. I'm not going to dismiss that, but I, I know I'll take the Bengals in this
7: one. Hmm. Um, I can see the Texans winning too, but once again, my concerns for these injuries at key positions, um, I, I think at some point it might hamper their ability to win against one of the best teams in the AFC um, one of the best teams in the league, if you're being honest. And, you know, I'm looking at Cincinnati from afar every single week. It seems like you guys are, you know, gaining that momentum, that steam of, of getting back to the level that you guys were last year. Um, And I look at the Texans. I'm like, I think this game can definitely be a measuring stick in terms of to see how realistic the quote unquote playoff run. We're all hoping that we get here in the city of Houston, but I just think, maybe more so in the second half, the absences to a lot of these guys might turn in favor of Cincinnati. And, James, as you mentioned, and for what I saw against the Bills, Joe Burrow is starting to get it going. Not saying CJ can't match him toe for toe, but I just think that this one might go in favor of, of, of Cincinnati.
6: Yeah, I, I think that's the fun part is they have a good relationship. I know Burrow gave CJ some advice earlier in the year, or at least coming into the season.
1: Mm-hmm. And
6: so, you know, CJ's going to be excited for this one going toe to toe with Burrow. A few years ago, Burrow was in the same position going up against different guys in the league. So mm-hmm. it, th- that part will certainly be fun. I'm excited about this matchup.
2: All right, guys. So, it's interesting because as I'm looking at this, I'm thinking to myself, the question that I have to ask hurts my hurts my soul because after the Bengals started one and three, now you know they won four straight, which means that over in the AFC North, they are tied with my Steelers, they are tied with the Browns, and of course the Ravens are atop the division. But Jarvis, do you feel like with this four game run for the Bengals that Cincinnati's back?
3: Absolutely. Oh, boo but completely. okay <laughs> absolutely joe cool is completed what 76 percent of his passes in the last yes, four games. absolute us. ridiculous 10 touchdowns over 1100 yards only two picks yeah this man is absolutely back and i think this is going to be an intriguing matchup I, I think i might have a little bit more confidence than uh cody did <laughs> as far as this team because I, I think this can be a, a matchup that you know might play Into what what both teams want to do, and that's pass the football, you know, because Damian Pierce is going to be out, Nico Collins is going to be out, but on the other side, Cincinnati had T.K. Higgins is going to be out as well. So, (laughs) and one of uh, Cincinnati's best pass rushers, and Sam Hubbard is going to be out as well. So, when you have those dynamics, you know, those guys at those particular positions being out, it kind of evens out things. I feel like a little bit, but I, I think that you know, this is this can turn into a nice little track meet. Now, granted, if it does. I'm I'm all into you know what Joe what Joe can be able to do in a game like this, but I wouldn't count CJ Stride out the way he's been playing.
2: Yeah. And Casey, that's an interesting point that Jarvis makes. It could potentially become a track meet. So if it does, who does that track meet favor down the stretch? Uh,
1: I think the team that has had the players that have been there and done that and have more experience mm. in these spots is is where I would probably lean with. Cincinnati, it's a home game for Cincinnati as well. That's a really tough environment to go in and execute, not make mistakes. And for all to talk about this Cincinnati offense, uh, the Bengals defense has forced 10 turnovers in the last four games. And that has really helped. If you, if you look beyond the, uh, the first game of the season when Joe Burrow came back and they had 67 passing yards but still had two turnovers, Like by and large, this has been a team that largely, when they win the turnover battle, they're taking care of business and winning football games and the defense has really ramped that up. So I think Houston's going to move the ball. The question is, can you avoid those three or four plays and mistakes that can so easily turn what could be a 31 point output to a 17 or 20 point output and give the other team a short field on a couple of occasions? And I think that's the concern for a young quarterback going into a tough environment like this, especially because listen, he's going back to Cincinnati, right? Like that's, that's right on the doorstep of Columbus. He's going to be juiced to go back there and play for sure. Yeah, And uh, I just think there's a a lot of the inexperience element versus Cincinnati that, that I just don't really like for Houston in this game.
2: Yeah. And it could turn on a dime with something like exactly where is Jamar Chase in terms of his health and whether or not he's going to be that game time decision and whether or not he's going to be good enough to go. But I also like something that you just pointed out, Kyle, Jarvis, we don't often talk about the Bengals and their defense, right? We're mm-hmm. uh, and understandably so because the Bengals have had a prolific defense, excuse me, offense for the past couple seasons, and we're starting to see that prolific offense return in a major way thanks to Joe Burrow being back to his Joe Burrow self, doing Joe Burrow things. But yeah, that defense could also be critical. And and where my mind goes is back to the track meet. If we're looking at something that's you know 38, 35 or something in the, the high 20s, it may come down to that one defensive stop at the end that makes that decision or make decides that game for the Bengals in favor of the Bengals. And maybe it is because we're having this conversation because it is about the defense and not necessarily what the offense does.
3: Yeah, I think that when you think about what the job that Lou Anarumo has done, you know, we see like the type of guys that he is able to, how he's able to coach those guys up and not only, and not only coach guys up, but you know, because a lot of times when people use that term, people think that, Oh, the guy's not that talented. No, you know, they've had some talent. Like we've seen that down here in Atlanta with, with what Jesse Bates was able to do his for a few games. You see the experience and, and the, the the, the, the knack that he has for the ball like that. I mean, yes, sure. That's natural. Some of that is natural, but yeah, you could tell he's been well coached also. So I think that's what Lou Danerummo brings to the table just from a, from a coaching experience and being, a, and working with these guys and being there for quite some time, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's no secret that, you know, this guy was being banded around and maybe potentially being a head coach. So when you have that type of touch, Midas touch, so to speak, in in, in that locker room. Yeah, like I, I can see them this game coming down to a uh, play being made by whatever whichever defense, and I can see Cincinnati definitely coming through with that.
2: Now, Kyle, this is a critical game. Not that it's not critical for the Bengals as they continue to kind of catch up to the Baltimore Ravens in the division, but also for your Houston Texans, because they're at four and four. And of course they're chasing the Jacksonville Jaguars at six and two, but more, most importantly, they're probably chasing a wild card spot. What do we need to see out of the Texans in order for them to move to five and four?
1: Yeah, I, I think their marching for is pretty slim that they're, they're going to have to get more balance going offensively than what they have had. I think if you are one dimensional against Lou Anarumo with the exotic, Coverages that he presents and how he changes the picture and he will pressure you and and they're very aggressive. That's not a recipe that you particularly love against a, a rookie quarterback. So I think you're going to have to have an uncharacteristic game up front. And when you're trying to block guys like what the Bengals have on the interior with DJ Reader and and the physicality, of the light and the speed of the linebackers, it just doesn't feel like the mix that's going to happen. But I, I will say this: I think you make a great point a teenager about the the wild card component uh, at 4 and 4 it's all going to be on the table with whatever happens right because you have Arizona at home then you have Jacksonville at home and you already beat Jacksonville <laughs> by 20 points earlier this yes. season yeah. you get the Denver Broncos your next three games after that and you have two more division three more divisional games between the Titans and Colts so you're going to have opportunities if you're Houston to make a play to push for double digit wins regardless of whatever the game is or the result of the game is against Cincinnati. I think this is a bigger game for Cincinnati to take care of business because they do have divisional expectations. They yeah. do have aspirations to climb all the way out of this thing and be the one seed because they play all these teams in front of them in the standings. They just beat the Bills. They got the Chiefs in week 17, I believe, later this mm-hmm. year. They got the Baltimore matchup coming up. So, Cincinnati, you know, they they have a chance to climb all the way back out of this hole, but You can't drop a game like this if you're going to do it.
2: And I think that's a great call too, Kyle, because this is, if I'm correct, the only division in the entirety of the NFL with all four teams having a winning record Three out of the four teams, five and three. And, of course, I think Baltimore's, what, six and two. So when you look at that that overall, the competition is fierce. And, you know, it'll be tough enough to get out of your division. It's probably, you know, similar to Jarvis, how it is here for the Falcons and what's going on in the NFC South, where you're pretty much, if you want to get into the playoffs, you just got to win the division. That's probably your best route. And that might be the case for the Bengals and really the entirety of the AFC North.
3: Yeah, that this, this this is one that's going to be tough because I really feel like the Baltimore Ravens are the most balanced team. Yes. Now you know. now the Chiefs, best team, yeah, we can have Correct. some conversations about that. But as far as just the most balanced team, I feel like the, the Ravens are that team right now because coming to the season, I really felt like Lamar Jackson had a, the everything was kind of lining up for him to have an MVP-type season. Now, mm-hmm. got off to a little bit of a slow start. Now, Todd Munkin is starting to find the flow with this offense, and I think that he's a type of guy that had the, the uh, reputation when it, in his um, previous stint in the NFL of being pass-happy. Came down to Georgia, and, hey, man, we got some really good tight ends and we like to run the football. Okay, let's run some 12 personnel and, and get this, this uh, offense cooking. Now, being able to make those necessary adjustments – win some get a a couple uh get some national championships under your belt and then now you move into the nfl trying to do the same thing you got this exceptional talent at the quarterback spot that you can use his legs and he has an arm as well can sit in the pocket and make throws also and you're just getting him acclimated to not necessarily installing your offense but how does your offense fit what he can do and what he can do best And I think that's what we're starting to see a product of that that now. So this AFC North division is going to be very tight as we go uh, go down to the second half of the season.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely down to the wire. Now, as we prepare you for this NFL week with Sell Me Why, here's Jarvis to prepare you guys on how you can have better health with Jace Medical.
3: Guys, this episode of the NFL Kickoff Live Show is brought to you by Jace Medical, go to jacemedical.com right now. J a s e m e d i c a l J-A-S-E-M-E-D-I-C-A-L.com. What is Jay's Case, Jarvis? Jay's Case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use because I'm the type of person where I don't want to get caught off guard when it comes to my babies. You know, in the middle of the night, they're sick and they're sneezing and they're trying to figure out what's going on with them. I'm telling you, jay's Case got everything right there just for you. I'm talking about life. Saving antibiotics. All you got to do is get a Jace case. To get a J's case is to fill out a simple online form, and in some cases, jump on a quick call with one of our board certified physicians. No flu gaziness, none of that stuff. These people are real doctors. Get on ongoing care from our physicians on any treatment-related questions. So if you got questions about this particular antibiotic, what it does, what is it supposed to do? All you got to do is give us a call right now. Dr. Created, Dr. Reca. Mend it. And plus, guys, if you go to jacemedical.com, all you got to do is drop a promo code in locked on. That's L O C K E D O N, and you're going to get $20 off. So that's jacemedical.com. Put in the promo code locked on, and you're going to get $20 off your purchase. Make sure you guys don't get caught off guard.
5: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason,
2: As much as I hate to give the Baltimore Ravens all the credit in the world, I definitely also want to check that and make sure we know that they are seven into two because they've actually played nine games through the season and are truly, truly sitting atop that AFC North, which means it's going to be such an intriguing battle this coming weekend between the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns in the AFC North. Browns are six and a half point underdogs to the Ravens. And here's Jeff Lloyd of Locked On Browns to sell you why the Browns will cover that spread.
8: Hey Cleveland Browns fans, Jeff Floyd from the Lockdown Browns podcast, giving you three reasons why the Cleveland Browns at worst should be able to cover the spread Sunday in Baltimore against the Ravens. As we all know the first matchup between the Ravens and the Browns Deshaun Watson missed the game Deshaun Watson's last two complete starts for the Browns he has been extremely accurate. He has been turnover free, being able to extend drives even if they don't get touchdowns they've been getting him down closer to at least get into field goal range the Ravens, although they have some players in this game that they did not have the first time around. Deshaun Watson is supposed to be the franchise quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, and he is a guy that's supposed to be a difference maker in big games like this. The defensive side of the ball, the defense has been playing lights out to this point, and now you're starting to see the depth of the Cleveland Browns defensive line. And they did a pretty solid job of holding the Baltimore Ravens running game to at least a standstill the first time. The Ravens only averaged four yards per carry. Granted, some of that was on some bigger runs from Justice Hill, the main back, Gus Edwards, the Browns were able to control that day. Lamar Jackson, they were even able to keep him within limitations as far as what Lamar can do with his legs. The Browns' defense is only getting better, so you figure that this will still play in a second time against the Ravens, even though this game is in Baltimore. The Browns' offense, Browns' defense, and this is the key to having Watson back here, is understanding what the Browns have in Dustin Hopkins. Dustin Hopkins, to this point, is actually having a better season than longtime Ravens standout kicker Justin Tucker. If they can keep the drives going and they can at least get in the field goal range, Hopkins has been pretty much automatic to this season, allowing for the Browns to keep this game close in score. Even drives of the Browns aren't successful. Baracos has been a fantastic punter this year as far as flipping the field and getting the Browns defense into positions where offenses are starting maybe inside their own 20 or even inside their own 10. These are three reasons why I think the Browns should be able to hang with the Baltimore Ravens and cover the spread on Sunday in Baltimore. All
2: right, guys. Are you sold, Kyle, that the Browns will actually cover this spread? They, of course, are six-and-a-half-point underdogs.
1: See, now I did it. This one's (laughs) tough. I got you back. This one's tough. This Ravens defense is so stout. They are astronomically good as far as creating turnovers, as far as what they're able to do in the run game. They are only allowing uh, 4.0 yards per carry. They are allowing 4.1 net yards per attempt. So teams are getting about the same amount of yardage trying to pass the ball against this defense as they are trying to run the ball against this defense, which is opportunistic in getting turnovers, whether it's Javion Clowney or Kyle Van Noy. Who they picked up off the street midseason. This pass rush group for Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator, is killing it. So I love Cleveland's defense. But if I look at Baltimore's offense versus Cleveland's defense, I think Baltimore's offense spreads the ball around a little bit more effectively. They have more guys that can contribute at a high level versus the Browns defense or the Browns offense against the Ravens defense. You have Nick Chubb, who's out, you have both offensive tackles who are out. That is a bad mix to stay balanced offensively and to buy Deshaun Watson the kind of time that he's going to need to have success. So I'm probably fading the Browns to cover the six and a half.
2: Yeah. And Jarvis, that's something that we've talked about in the past. Just Zay Flowers is just unbelievable with what he's able to do. Odell Beckham Jr. is still solid. And of course, The Ravens low-key have always had a nice tight end room, right? Mm -hmm. And so having someone like Todd Munkin, who, as you mentioned earlier, he can deal with, he can work some 12, it's not some 13 personnel. You've really got some good pieces for him to work. And, of course, that O-line, who has been maligned, just like the Steelers, of course, uh, the last couple seasons with injury, they're looking really good now. So, yeah, you've got a Ravens offense that, to Kyle's point, that defense is stellar, but man, they've now got the complementary pieces on the offense to match what they've gotten from the defense the last couple seasons.
3: Yeah, and, and it's it's kind of refreshing to see, right? Because mm-hmm. like the the knock on Lamar Jackson, which has just been so weird when it comes to evaluate from an evaluation standpoint, people didn't think he can run a pro style offense, but. He ran Bobby P's, Bobby Petrino, for those who don't know, um, Bobby um, Petrino's offense at Louisville, and he he ran it to the T, like, and it was just a matter of him making sure he didn't take unnecessary hits, you know, of course, the the whole stability um, uh, questions came in, so that was understandable, but... For him to be able to come into this season with an OC that, hey, I trust you to run the football. I mean, be able to throw the football from the pocket. I know what you're what you are capable of doing, and I'm also going to use your 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 that skill set right that that you have that you have to take advantage of, and and it's just a matter of making sure when to when it when to tap into that you know at, at what particular point of the game. So because when you understand when to use those things. Like, you can just really just mess up a defense. Now, granted, Cleveland Browns just coming off giving the uh, Arizona Cardinals a goose egg. So this is a really, really good defense. So Miles Garrett is playing on an MVP-type level. I ain't talking about defensive player of the year. I'm talking about league MVP. Like, I, I put defensive linemen up in that category. I know people always want to just talk about quarterbacks, but I put him in that that those type of conversations because that's the type of difference maker that he is on on, for that team as a whole not just the defense so for me i really feel like this is another opportunity for lamar to put his stamp on this mvp candidacy uh and i think i I wholly hardly believe that he's that he's going to do that but on the other side though cleveland you got deshaun watson like jeff pointed out pointed out you know he's had some 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 pretty clean games but when you talk about missing three of your top offensive tackles Against the, the 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 sack leading uh, defense in the NFL with thirty five, they got thirty five sacks at more at the, almost at the halfway, mark, a little bit over the halfway mark. Yeah, that's going to be yeah. a hard task. T. I'm not and saying it. that 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 the uh, Ravens are gonna, the Ravens are going to goose egg these these guys, but it is setting up for this Ravens defense to continue to do what they do, and that's that's dominate opposing offenses.
2: Indeed. What a difference a year makes because, yeah, this is a well-rounded team where a year ago we didn't even know if Lamar Jackson was going to be suited up in a Ravens uniform. And now here we are now. Kyler Murray, speaking of a guy that returns for a different reason, of course, but he's returning from injury. We got the official word earlier today that we, he will get the start Sunday against the Falcons. The Cardinals are one and a half point underdogs to the Falcons. but That line has been moving now that we've gotten that word about Murray. And it's been moving in favor of the Cardinals. Here's Alex Clancy of Locked On Cardinals to tell you why the Cardinals will cover that spread.
9: Why will the Arizona Cardinals cover the one and a half point spread on Sunday at home against the Atlanta Falcons? I'm glad you asked. I'm Alex Clancy with Locked On Cardinals. There is one name, and I think you know who it is, coming back off the pup list after tearing his ACL from last year. Number one in your hearts, number one on his jersey, and it's Kyler Murray. All joking aside, Kyler Murray coming back and now being able to implement Drew Petzing's offense could be a recipe for a great offense for the Arizona Cardinals for years to come. Kyler Murray elevates everybody on the offensive side of the ball, and regardless how lesser than talent-wise the defense is, the offense needs to take charge, and I'm pretty sure they will, against the so-so defense of the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday not to mention James Conner coming back off the IR. So the Cardinals have their one-two punch in the backfield with the run-first offense that Drew Petzing has implemented, an offense that's kept the Arizona Cardinals in games for the majority of the 2023 season with Joshua Dobbs at quarterback. So one-and-a-half point spread from our fans at FanDuel, I think is giving Kyler Murray the credit he deserves Because this line was a lot, a lot wider than where it currently sits. So why will the Cardinals cover the spread? Kyler Murray makes Hollywood Brown better. He makes Michael Wilson better. He makes Trey McBride better. He makes James Conner better. He makes the offensive line's job not as difficult as it's been through the first nine weeks. And again, while the defense isn't what it needs to be in an effort to compete from a defensive standpoint, The power and talent that Kyler Murray brings is the main reason why the Cardinals will cover the one-and-a-half point spread on Sunday against the Falcons. All right, guys. I am going to be nice to Jarvis, and I'm
2: going to throw this one to Kyle and ask whether or not the Cardinals are going to cover the spread, and if so, tell us why.
1: Uh, I think they have a decent chance just because I do not like what the Atlanta Falcons are doing right now. And you and everybody join else. the club. Just, <laughs> right. <you> know, and <laughs> and Arthur up. Smith getting all sassy about it in the, the press <laughs> conferences all week long. I'm like, buddy, you, you got Tyler Algier 13th in the league in carries and he's averaging 3.2 yards per carry. Maybe we should calm down on this, the salt here with the questions about your top 10 pick running back and his, his workload. Yeah. Never mind John U. Smith outperforming Kyle Pitts and the whole nine yards. So I think Kyler Murray is a really fun kind of change up to throw at this game. Uh, The Cardinals to this point in the season have been very scrappy. They, they Mm -hmm. have put up a really good fight against some good football teams. They beat the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I think Kyler, if he's, if he's every bit of what he was as an athlete coming back off of a knee injury, his mobility can kind of create some chaos. I don't think that I like, a returning quarterback this late in the season to win his first start, though. I just think it's too much to try to jumpstart and get back into the swing of things after having missed a lot of time. I know he's practiced the last few weeks to gear up. I'll probably take Atlanta, and because the spread is so close, I'll take Atlanta to cover, but this would not be a game that I would be surprised to find out that the, the Cardinals did win and they are able to cover the spread.
2: God help Falcons nation Jarvis if that is indeed the case but you do have a point Kyle because whether it was an actual rookie or whether it was a quarterback starting his first game of the season for a team three days after he landed in that city the Falcons have been on the struggle bus with quarterbacks who just pop up and say hey I'm ready to get my first start of the season so Jarvis how's it going to go down in Arizona in the desert of the sun this weekend
3: valley of the sun I'm gonna give you the most intellectual answer that I can possibly give you. <laughs> I have no idea. Here's <laughs> why: because, like, when you think about this Falcons team, like they went into the whole going young on offense. You draft a uh, Bijan Robinson, pass up on Jalen Carter. By the way, I'm going to take every. He's gonna say that every, every time, everybody. every time, every time. Because here's the thing: I feel like. I feel like if you're in a situation where you're defending your play calling schemes, looks, decoys and all that stuff, and you take a guy like that, a running back in the top 10, I feel like you never really had a plan for him because Mm -hmm. in the beginning of the year, we saw, the city, we saw flashes right now. We, we barely see it. And then when he does get an opportunity to, to carry the football, he's fumbling the ball. So what is really, really going on with this offense? Because at the end of the day, I know I advocated for Tyler Algier to get some carries. Thank but you. at the end of the day, it's all about production. Kyle just pointed it out. 3.2 yards a carry. Oh, now let's go use our top 10 running back that, that we drafted. Oh, let's go... You know, make sure we get our draft our, our, our number one wide receiver that we you drafted, who has been productive when he's been on the field. Right. Let's get him, get him back into the game and get him involved. Oh yeah, the the tight end that you, the highest uh, drafted tight end in NFL history. Yeah, let's figure out a way to get him involved. Let's figure out a way to get him downfield and not have him blocking Daniel Hunter for the uh, tight end <laughs> two to run a jet sweep on right. the goal line on the one yard line. So yeah. It's 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 really difficult to put a, a, a finger on this team because we're so deep into it. To, you know how it is. We we cover this day, we cover this team day in and day out, and Arthur Smith is changing. I'm starting to see some changes, right? Like he's no longer getting sassy cow, he's actually answering questions and explaining himself. And what what did I mention earlier? When well, you have offensive coordinators explaining themselves explaining what they were thinking in press conferences, that can never lead to a good thing. That's never a good thing. And when that person is also the head coach and people are asking whether or not he's going to give up play call and do this, that's when you know there's an yeah. issue. So, yeah, this is a game where i it's
7: a tough they should call. win. They, it's, yeah.
3: it's a tough call because of just what's been going on these past couple of weeks. Indeed. But they should win. And I wouldn't be surprised if they do. But, dog, I've... Would not be surprised if Arizona vests around to cover this spread.
2: Yeah, speaking of a guy that has some explaining to do, Matt Canada always has explaining to do every single week. So speaking of that OC that makes you scratch your head, Pittsburgh Steelers are playing host to the Green Bay Packers this weekend. They're three-point favorites, and Chris Carter of the Lockdown Steelers is going to sell us why the Steelers will cover their spread.
0: I'm Chris Carter of the Locked On Steelers podcast, and the Steelers are favored three points by FanDuel Sportsbook in their matchup with the Green Bay Packers at Acrisure Stadium to kick off 1 p.m. Eastern time Sunday. Now, why can the Steelers cover that? I think there's a few reasons that you have to point to. If you look at how these two teams plays and how the matchup favors the Steelers to exceed that three point number there. Now, one thing that I look at is Jordan, with Jordan Love is how he's been lead, throwing interceptions. Right now, the Packers are averaging throwing an interception in every game they've played. Eight on the year, one one per game in that process. That's in the That's in the bottom ten of the league right now. But on the flip side, the Steelers defense ranks in the top ten in forcing interceptions this year also averaging an interception for every game that they've played so far. That's where I see this game maybe taking a turn in the favor of the Steelers. The Steelers defense is known for getting after quarterbacks, creating pressure even when they're not exactly hitting the quarterback or getting or, or get recording a sack. They've been uh, they've been known to change the pocket up and force the quarterback to be uncomfortable. And if you can force Jordan Love to be uncomfortable, have to make throws outside of the pocket on the move or out of rhythm, you <laughs> That's where you can get more of those mistakes, especially if the Steelers are able to get some things going on offense. Their offense hasn't been good this year, but they've been starting to get things clicked. The emergence of rookie Broderick Jones, who looks like he's going to start at right tackle in this game, has given the run game a boost, and that's where the Steelers can hurt the Packers. If their run game gets going and they can get some points early, I can see Jordan Love being the guy who throws throws a couple interceptions in this game that proves costly, and Kenny Pickett, known for his fourth quarter heroics, won't have to deal fourth-quarter hero. He'll just have to make sure that the Steelers manage and lead their way to victory. I have the Steelers winning 24-20 in this game, which should get you that three-point cover.
2: Kyle, I'll ask you to take us to break with a quick one. Will the Steelers cover the spread?
1: I think so. I think Green Bay, he mentioned Jordan Love and, and the turnovers that he struggled with, and then the running game for Green Bay. It's shown a little bit of signs of life, you know, two of the last three weeks, but at the end of the day, that all offensive line is hurting without Bakhtiari. And the Steelers last week got Cam Hayward back. And that exchange in personnel is not a combination that I like for Green Bay to to maintain their recent success running the ball.
2: Yeah, anytime Chris Carter's first cousin is back in the lineup, everything is good with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, being an NFL fan, depending on which team you root for, it can be stressful. But Jarvis can tell you how better help can help you manage that stress.
3: Jarvis Davis here for BetterHelp. This, this episode of the NFL Kickoff Live Show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Now, I was just having a conversation with my wife just the other day about buying gifts and trying to figure out how many gifts we're going to get the girls uh, for this year and all that stuff. And you know what? That can be super, super stressful, especially when, when it may be a little bit tight. But guess what? I got a suggestion for you. How about you try BetterHelp? This is something new to your life. That can be very positive and you know it can help you with those feelings of anxiety or just stress overall. So um, one of the things that you know about BetterHelp that is you can be going through some things in your life and and you're looking and have something to look forward to, you know, that make you feel like you're grounded and give you the tools to be able to manage like through these holiday seasons. So you won't be stressed out about whether or not you're gonna buy. Or how many gifts you're going to buy your loved ones? You don't have to be get, I feel that way. I promise you. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I promise you, you, you you never regret it because that's what I've been thinking about. I've been thinking about, okay, maybe I should see a therapist. Like, why am I having this thought? Or why am I constantly always focusing on the negative thing that's going on in my life? So no, you need to go try BetterHelp. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. Schedule. All you got to do is just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists. If you don't like that one, you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So find your bright spot in this holiday season with BetterHelp.
5: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.
2: Always good to get some help with your health. Now this week brings some interesting matchups across the NFL, which fantasy players will find themselves in bad matchup. This matchups rather this week. Well, Michelle Majuuk from Locked On Fantasy Football has the answer.
4: There are three players that I'm fading heavily in fantasy due to their week 10 matchup. First up, It's Texans rookie quarterback sensation CJ Stroud against the Cincinnati Bengals. I know, hang in here with me. I know it's hard to sit him after what he did last week, but it's important to remember that Stroud, prior to last week, he wasn't doing much for fantasy, right? There was three straight games, scoring under 15 fantasy points per game, and Stroud has also only averaged 14.6 fantasy points per game on the road this season. Plus, playing in Cincinnati is never easy for any quarterback, let alone a rookie quarterback on the road. The Bengals' defense overall this year have allowed just nine passing touchdowns all season while coming down with 11 interceptions. They have yet to allow an opponent to throw more than two passing touchdowns against them this year. I do not think this is going to be a very good game for C.J. Stroud this week, and I want to keep him on my bench if I can. Next up is Cleveland Browns running back Kareem Hunt. He has to face the Baltimore Ravens this week. Kareem Hunt has been very, very valuable for fantasy. He has, because he gets into the end zone every week. He scored a touchdown in each of the last four games but i don't envision there being very many scoring opportunities for the cleveland browns in this matchup against the ravens who are the number one defense in the nfl this year in points per game allowed so without a touchdown hunt is going to be a very disappointing fantasy play maybe he squeaks one in but i am very hesitant on playing hunt this week against the baltimore ravens and then last up is raiders wide receiver Devonte adams Unfortunately, he just hasn't been doing too much, stuck on this terrible offense. He's not hit 60 receiving yards in a game since week four, hasn't caught a touchdown since week three, and he's playing with Aiden O'Connell. And last week with Aiden O'Connell, Devontae Adams was basically a ghost. Now he has to unfortunately face the New York Jets. Like That's the worst way that this can go in week 10. The Jets are allowing by far the fewest fantasy points per game to wide receivers this year it's not going to be an easy matchup for him whatsoever and again he's just not getting the target share that he needs to get or getting that efficiency and those good targets so i know it's never easy to sit a guy as talented as Devonte adams but i'm really really expecting a very disappointing week from him on sunday night football
2: Hey, guys, I trust Majuk, so I feel like I'm going to win in fantasy football this week some way, somehow. But here's the interesting thing and the intriguing thing about Vikings versus Saints. It's going to be a toss-up for them because both of those teams, I feel like, kind of go up and down. Obviously, the Saints have taken over atop the NFC South with their win uh, this past weekend against the Bears, the Vikings are right there because the Detroit Lions, while still a good team, still solid, they have definitely shown that they have some chinks in the armor. So this could be an opportunity for the Vikings. The intriguing thing, Jarvis, is... Where Justin Jefferson kind of falls right now, he is still listed as questionable as in the last 20 minutes. That was the most recent update. By the way, TJ Hawkinson is actually listed as questionable as well at tight end. So it should be intriguing to see how that kind of plays into things. But how do you feel this helps the Vikings team that is really fighting and climbing to kind of keep themselves in? I'll say not so much the playoff hunt. I'll I'll break it down even further to say the wild card hunt.
3: Yeah. When you think about what they were able to do last week against the Atlanta Falcons, like that's unheard of. And Kevin O'Connor even reiterated as much and saying about like, that's the best performance I've ever, you know, basically I've ever seen. And when you think about, The gravity of that, like Josh Dobbs didn't even know half, hardly none of his teammates names like, yeah, I'll get to that (laughs) a little bit later. And they were literally working on the, on the snap count, (laughs) sitting and calling and and then in his ear, Hey, this is what you need to be looking for on this particular play. And like literally translating plays language, you know, uh, um, during the game, as they walking up to the line of scrimmage, that that's just th- type of stuff that that's just unheard of. Yeah. And for them to be able to get a win like that, it has some. It, you get a little mojo behind yourself. You start feeling better about yourself because those that team is was pretty much left for dead. And then yeah. you know they start to win a couple of games, and then you get a big win last week. Uh, you kind of couple that with like, hey, okay, we're still in it. We still have a chance. Like you said, not necessarily to. To to get up in a division, but like, hey, this wild card thing might be a real thing. That might be something that we can continue to strive for. So, I, I think that when you get guy, a uh, potentially can get a guy like Justin Jefferson back into the fold. Like, this is the best wide receiver in the NFL. So, like, it, I don't care who's that quarterback. If he comes back and he's eligible to, to to play, like, this is gonna that's gonna be a big boost for the guys in purple and purple and purple and gold.
2: Yeah. And it's very interesting that you mentioned that because the Saints are kind of that team as well, where I don't know, if I, I won't say left for dead. I'll call them left for life support because <laughs> I'm not really sure. We didn't really know what to make of them, quite honestly, with right. Derek Carr coming in, didn't kind of know what he was going to bring to the table and a lot of up and downs. But Honestly, Kyle, I kind of use this term. I call them little scrappy. I think their secondary is kind of like a little scrappy. They they show up, and of course, Demario Davis had himself a game late last week to seal the deal for the Saints. But you got to think about like Paulson Adebo, Marcus May, Tyron Matthew, and somehow, some way, Marshawn Lattimore. Every now and again, they actually showed up at the right moments last weekend. That can be an opportunity for them to show up at the right moments this weekend if they look to win this game as well.
1: Yeah, and that Saints team that they defensively through nine games have only had three in which they have allowed more than twenty points defensively. They're quietly,
4: yeah.
1: Pretty impressive metrics that they forced 18 turnovers, which is second in the NFL thus far this season. From a passing game perspective, we're talking about the the impact of what Justin Jefferson would do. Uh, 5.4 net yards per attempt on opposing quarterbacks passing against the Saints defense is the fifth best mark in the NFL as far as suppressing opposing passing offenses. So if you don't have Justin Jefferson, you really don't like what that math looks like. They're also one of the best defenses on third down. They're 34%. Yes on third down defensively against opposing offenses so they get off the field if they get you into third down at a really high rate so you need that needle mover i don't think this is you know new orleans has been had a little bit rushing against right when you run the ball against them i don't think the vikings really have the running game to do that so if you are going to win this game you're going to need big contributions from the passing game and i don't think that happens unless you do see the return of Justin Jefferson, who's obviously still very much in limbo for this game.
2: Indeed, indeed. We got some really great matchups coming this weekend. You got uh, San Francisco heading to Jacksonville. You got people head-scratching saying, how in the world are are the 49ers the favorites heading into Jacksonville, a 6-2 and team that is really showing themselves to be quite solid. Going to be an interesting matchup, an intriguing matchup with the Lions as well. They're going to head to L.A. to take on the Rams. Don't know how interesting it is to see the Cowboys and Giants other than, well, I'm always looking to see if somebody can make them the Cowgirls at any given moment. So that's just a personal thing for me. But who are you guys, real quick, who are you, which uh, games are intriguing matchups for you this weekend?
3: I got to say the San Francisco 49ers, Debo Samuel potentially on track to come back and play. Wow. Uh, Brian love- 30, what you going to do?
2: What you going to do? How about you, Kyle?
3: Yeah, yeah it's,
1: it's it's that same game for me. And I'm looking at Trent Williams, who does, it doesn't sound particularly promising for his return, I'd pick San Francisco to win the game if Trent plays, but if he doesn't, I'd pick Jacksonville uh, just because I mm. think that that defense is really physical. They are also getting a lot of turnovers. Uh, they're pretty stout up front, and that 49ers offensive line, it's Trent Williams and a bunch of young guys that and guys that have kind of bounced around and haven't been fixtured starters. So uh, they really need Trent to be the glue for that that offensive line, and if he's not going to play, I don't like that mix against Jacksonville with heavy-handed guys like uh, Devon Hamilton in the middle, and with uh, Trayvon Walker, the defensive end, playing on the edge.
2: All eyes on Duval this weekend. Thanks so much, guys, for stopping by NFL Kickoff Live for Kyle Krabs. Travis Davis, I am Tanitra Batiste. Don't forget to come back next week.